Hello, friends. I don't know. Did I miss last week? I'm sorry this podcast is coming out late. I had a busy weekend. But uh, I feel like I missed last week's podcast. Did Was there a podcast last week? How long ago was it the, the one that was talking about dinosaurs? Was that last week? Anyways, I... Uh, I think today I need to start with something that might become a recurring segment on this podcast. Uh, I don't know exactly what the, the, the word or the title of this segment will be, but it's, uh, oh, my computer is saying restart to finish updating your PC later. Anyways, but it's essentially, let's call it, I take it back. <laughs> So this is a segment where I take back things I might have said in a previous podcast because maybe I was wrong and I learned better. Maybe I sounded dumb or ignorant and I want to re-qualify my statement. Whatever it is, this segment is called I Take It Back. (laughs) So uh, first one, first of all, just to make this clear, I do not take back anything I said about paleontologists or dinosaurs. I feel that with my heart. I hope it was at least entertaining or funny to you guys. If it wasn't, I'll make it funnier next time. We're just learning as we do this. But uh, the one I want to take back is, I think in the earlier podcast, I mentioned something about uh, women on Instagram and social media of how how they use filters and all these other things to make their photos. Uh, look better and whatnot and I think my position at the time was at first I didn't like it but after talking to well it basically was just talking to one girl (laughs) but no no oh no not it wasn't just that particular uh woman's opinion but after uh, listening to certain women's opinions I was like well if that's what makes them feel better and that's what uh they like they like knowing their angles and knowing how to enhance their features that's something that blesses them then that's fine that's okay i think that was basically my position and i think now well first of all in general i don't have a position it's not my issue i don't think i just uh yeah i don't i don't think i just listened to what people who that more affects has to say about it. And then, uh, you know, but anyways, I think after seeing the Khloe Kardashian thing, someone pointed out a good hypocrisy and a good take about it where she was, she was just so aggressively trying to get a picture of herself that wasn't Photoshopped or filtered off the internet. And then she released a statement, something along the lines of, the pressure that she and her family, I think, feels to look a certain way, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and how that's difficult to live up to this impossible standard, yada yada. And then another podcaster made uh, and comedian made a great observation where where they're like, "No, I don't feel sorry for you because you are you and your family are the ones who." perpetuated this impossible standard by always showing photos of yourself super uh, edited uh, by 
even the surgeries that you decide to have and how that's become the norm for how people are supposed to appear and your you know your photos that you've inundated the internet with before has caused a lot of women to feel a pressure to look a certain way and have to make sure that their photos when they put them up on their social media is always super refined and edited and i think that's i think that's the right position i think that's a valid uh critique so i would like to take back my original stance uh and say yeah i think uh I think more so I recognize now that a lot of women, I would say maybe some guys too, but it's mainly women, feel a pressure to look a certain way on, and it's not even just social media in terms of like Instagram. I mean, like even maybe the Facebook uh, photos they take that they just want to put out for their family and friends, or even down to maybe even their LinkedIn photo, I don't know they might have this pressure to look a certain way that is artificial and it comes from uh, this standard that has been set by the media that can be harmful to their image of themselves. So I don't think I necessarily have a position. On most things in life, I don't try to have a position, uh, except the things that are really important. Uh, I think women who decide who to take the time to like photoshop and edit and refine their pictures have the you know they have the right to do that and if that blesses them then they can do it and feel comfortable with that but then on the other hand people shouldn't feel like a pressure to look a certain way and uh to fit a certain standard uh either so i don't know if that's really taking anything back but just to qualify that Other thing I want to take back, and I don't even remember if I mentioned this on the podcast, where I was talking about guys wearing dresses (laughs) and how I don't really see that as a big deal. Truthfully, I still don't really see that as a big deal. It's not anything that is not a hill I'm going to die on. It's not anything that really bothers me. And my position was just like, in a lot of cultures, you know, in Scotland, Men wear kilts, which to us might look like skirts, which is usually gendered as a female uh, article of clothing, I would say. And other places in the world, like a lot of places in Africa and Asia, they have men who wear things that might appear like dresses um, to a more Western world, and they wear them. And it's uh, considered a masculine masculine uh, piece of clothing at the end of the day is just clothing and you know trends change and what is fashionable changes so I never really had uh, a clutching my pearls reaction to Harry Styles on Vogue or anything like that it was just uh, a stylistic thing and he yeah I didn't think of it as like a crumbling of masculinity or a crumbling of society or something like that So what I want to take back is I might be wrong on that. (laughs) I might be wrong. And what made me think about that is Kid Cudi on SNL. So Kid Cudi on SNL wore a dress. And let's be frank, it was ugly. It looked stupid. So after seeing that and seeing how he, I think, blatantly was, in my opinion, was wearing a dress just to be a provocateur or to get people talking about him. It just made it 
and even the the choice of dress that he wore was just so like this doesn't fit you this looks so disgusting not disgusting but this doesn't look good you just look silly uh made me think that with this more yeah just made me think that this is something that could possibly just have people provoke or using this just to to get some points you know what i mean i don't know how to describe it uh he said there was an homage to kurt cobain who wore a dress on in one or in a few of his performances and i maybe i don't get the pop culture reference but i looked up you know what kurt cobain wore and it was clear that kurt cobain he's like he's a grunge scene like punk who's like I don't care what you think. I don't care about the world. Like, if it has aesthetic to be out there, yeah, I'm just going to wear a dress. And she and he wore like the most, at least from the the clips that I saw, the most clearly feminine dress um, that he could, just to be like, it was part of his image, and it fit with what he was doing of just like, you know, screw this world, screw your ideas. I can do whatever I want. I don't really care. And they, at the same time, he was wearing a dress, but it was like also like it wasn't like for you to make a big deal about the fact I'm wearing a dress. It's just Kurt Cobain doing Kurt Cobain stuff. Whereas Kid Cudi, no one cares about you. You have since you released your song Erase Me, we have erased you from our memory. You haven't done anything very interesting since then. I know or I think I might have heard that he might have had some like mental health issues that made him step away from music or from entertainment in the, in that period of time. So I'm sensitive to that. But I don't think it can become this new thing where just guys, whenever they want attention or want to be talked about, I'm going to put on a dress type thing. Um, that's, that's just silly and tacky to me. And then, you know, so that's, I guess I take back my original point of, uh, it doesn't matter. I think it probably still matters. Um, but I do still think, you know, clothing and our our opinions of what is masculine, what is feminine are always changing. Um, they're always changing. So it's not, yeah, it's not anything that I'm going to sit there and cry about. Good. We handle that. What else do I want to talk about? Just overall, just to explain why I'm late on the podcast this week was... Uh, this weekend I started coordinating a, a Bible class and it was, it was fun, but it is, it does take like my weekends are now full, you know, and after working, working a nine to five, and then I have some activities that I do during the week and then to, uh, do that as well, it does, you know, physically make me a little bit tired and, um, so that's probably why, not probably, that is why I uh, wasn't able to get the podcast out in time. But yeah, I had fun and it, uh, yeah, and obviously we're still doing it according to the COVID restrictions in my area. So it's a smaller class and uh, yeah, so we just figured out how to do it. One thing that was interesting for me too, and probably why it took a lot of a lot out of me was the class is pre-recorded uh, in DVD, but uh, I 
had the privilege of of uh, teaching one of the sessions, not one of the sessions, but one of the segments of the class live, and not only live, but in French, which is not my first language. So that's probably why it took a lot of uh, energy out of me to, to be able to do that. But it was fun, and the, the people in the class, really, they were really blessed by it, and uh, so I look forward to doing that again. I might uh, do another couple segments in... Uh, might do another couple segments live but uh, who knows it just the segments i'm thinking of possibly doing live would be in may so i have like a month to work on it but uh, yeah that's probably why it didn't come out in time the podcast also another thing that's filling up my schedule not filling up my schedule but once a week i am in a asl class american sign language I don't know if I shared that with you guys before, but it's, some, it's a language that I've always wanted to learn. I've always found interesting. So I finally had the opportunity to, to sign up for, for lessons for it. And uh, I really like it. I've heard, I've already like online have looked at YouTube, you know, lessons and built up a little bit of a vocabulary, but, uh, but yeah. Being in a class is there's just something different about it. Obviously, we're doing it remotely via Zoom. So uh, yeah, there's myself and the other students, and then the uh, course instructor. And uh, it's interesting to be to use a different part of your brain to just I don't know, just visually learn. It's not like. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It's just after an hour and a half of communicating so differently, it it it, it takes some time for your mind to like readjust. Like a yeah, you you're really looking. Is, is is that weird? It's not like you're not looking before, but you're intently looking at someone's facial expressions and their hands and trying to replicate it or trying to receive information from it in a manner that you're not used to. It also made me think about what my motivation to learn American Sign Language is. And my motivation is, you know, to learn a new language and to be exposed to a new culture. But uh, it, this obviously doesn't mean that I'm going to one day become an ASL interpreter and that sort of thing. It's just I would like to be able to, yeah, learn something new. Yeah, learn something new. And uh, hopefully it does allow me to have access to people that I probably would never have had the opportunity to speak to before because of the barrier of, you know, the language barrier. Yeah, it really opens up doors to because a lot of deaf people really to integrate into schooling or a lot of the things that we uh, hearing people are involved in, it's not as easy for deaf people to partake in. So that's why I, I understand from what I'm reading and what I'm being exposed to is why deaf the deaf community is very close-knit and they have a strong culture because they, they yeah, there's a barrier to access hearing culture, you know? So that makes them yeah makes them have to 
don't know. I don't know if look out for each other is the word, but make accessible uh, entertainment and yeah, accessible entertainment and accessible culture for themselves type thing. So it's uh, it's interesting and I like it. Last thing I'll talk about on this podcast is uh, I don't know if you guys heard about it. Big news, probably the biggest news in all of in all of sports, really. And yeah, but um, there is a group of teams who have set aside have separated themselves from their domestic leagues and are forming a European, well, we can't even technically call it European because they call it they call it a super league. And this is a big deal because these are like big clubs in England and uh, Spain, Italy, and I think a few other countries who are just deciding to remove themselves from their league, so to speak, and to play within each other to form their own league. Their original plan is to stick with, they still, are, are, at least according to their plan, what they wanted is to, in, instead of having their weekend, instead of having their weekend uh, fixtures, weekend matches within their league, instead of doing that, they want to have their weekends where they're competing in this super league with other huge, gigantic clubs of their stature, so to speak. And then only during the week, they play within their domestic league. And it's hard to explain why this is a big deal, but I'll try. Well, in in European football culture, your football team means more to you than, than, what, than our sports teams in North America. And it's just because they're steeped in so much history and they're, and how local, how regional, and how accessible they are. It really makes them an institution as opposed to, uh, at least typically, as a money-making franchise. For example, a lot of these teams, some of these clubs were formed before soccer officially existed or, you know, or just a really long time ago. And they have, they're connected through ideas and concepts like some teams in Italy are have an actual political affiliation. Actually, a lot of teams around the world have political leanings and affiliations in terms of their history. Like there could be certain clubs who um, their their ethos and what made them uh, even get together was a working class socialist uh, idea, or they're they're literally union workers who made a football club where they can you know have some fun over the weekends. And that's what uh, made the football team ever even happen. And they're closely linked to uh, regional or local places where in North America, or like my dad was always so confused when he came to Canada about Canadians who supported American hockey teams like the Boston Bruins. And you didn't support your local team because like in Europe, in Africa, and a lot of places in the world, it's not like you just choose the team you support because you like their colors or you like their players. They like they they literally represent your city, and there's like that sort of attachment to it. So that's the first part of it, and then the second aspect of it is the way that the the football pyramid, as they like to call it, works out. Is that there's teams that are in lower divisions who 
are able, they have the opportunity to keep on moving up the ranks to get to the top ranks of the football pyramid and to become champions. And multiple times that happens. Multiple times a team that was in like the lower leagues were able to work their way up into the first division and win a championship. It has happened. And uh, it happened that teams that were successful for a really long time due to mismanagement or uh, a variety of other things, you go down to the bottom. But what this uh, Super League thing is doing is removing those top clubs from ever having the threat of moving down into the lower leagues. They just move themselves away from the football pyramid and they start doing their own thing. That's a problem because it ruins the whole idea of that football pyramid of this little club can one day become a big club type thing. So basically, uh, people are really mad about it. And people don't like that they did it during the pandemic while the football fans aren't even able to be in the stadiums and protest because you know there would be protests about this. Um, But yeah, so I, I haven't really done it justice to how terrible this is for soccer. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really big deal. What else can I say about it? So there's a lot of, uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I can't really explain it if you don't understand soccer. But you can look it up and trust me, it is not going well for the teams that decided to do this. Um, and I guess they're... Uh, their incentive to do it, though, like I said, was so that they can never go down into the lower leagues and then lose their uh, revenue money of being a part of the top division. So there's a lot of financial safety things that they've just kind of worked their way around to be able to do this. And then also, the other thing that is their incentive is it allows them to have more access to their worldwide fans as opposed to their local fans. And uh, how would I explain that? I think the, the the more casual football fans who don't understand what I'm trying to explain of the intricacies of soccer fandom would love to see, like, just like how uh, most, soc- most people in North America just tune in for the World Cup because they know there's like the best of the best playing. So they tune in and they know... They can recognize, oh, it's Germany versus France. Well, these big clubs are more recognizable. For example, Manchester United around the world, even in Asia, people know what Manchester United is. So if they have more games of Manchester United versus Real Madrid, which is another worldwide recognized brand, um, they don't really need to have games like Manchester United versus Burnley, which they have to do two times a year. Is like, why would I do that when I can just do only the big clubs where the world uh, knows about and the world can tune in? So it's, I don't know, it's, it's a really big deal. That's all I can say about it. And uh, yeah, I, I am also getting into Formula One, which is interesting too. But uh, maybe I'll save my Formula One chat for another podcast because I want to make sure that I know a little bit more information about Formula One before I talk about it. But uh, I don't know. That's basically all I have this week. Uh, again, sorry for make uh, releasing this late. But, uh, you know, uh, life happens. So I'll try, I try, I'll try better. I'll try, I'll try, I'll try next week to get it out on time. 
And uh, hopefully some interesting things happen that I can comment about. Like I'm watching the show The Circle. That's something. So maybe I'll keep you up to date next week on that. But uh, for now, enjoy the rest of the week. You guys are great. Bye.